So I want to continue talking about um, our vision for the year, which, of course, is running your best lap yet. should be on screen, maybe. There we go. There we go. Run your best lap yet. Run your best lap yet. So we'll be talking about what that, what that means, that, that God wants us to be looking forward and to be, and to be looking to, for 2022 just to be the best lap that we've done for God. We use, we've used the analogy of that life is, life is a race, life is a journey, life is a race. And God wants us to run that race well. Amen? And whatever's gone before, it was what it was. Let's make this lap our best lap. Yeah. Amen? So we've been particularly focusing on Hebrews, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we talked about this last week, the witnesses, they're all those people that have gone before. You can read about that in Hebrews 11, the great people of faith that, that God used. And Moses and, and Gideon, Gideon and, and, you know, and Noah and Abraham, all these, these, these great people that we study. So that's what we're talking about, they're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that come in the previous chapter. Remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapters, it's just how we've divvied it up, so it's all like one big discourse. So since we're surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, those great people that have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and that sin that's so easily entangled, entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. So, so the writer of Hebrews here is, is using the analogy that life is like a race. You know, and a responsibility on us, the onus on us, is to throw off everything that hinders. And, and the sin that so easily entangles. And we did a practical demonstration. Who was here last week? Behind over here last week. Yeah, so. Yeah, you were, yeah. Um, we did a practical demonstration with, with our son Jack. We had him kind of like running across, running across the hall, and you know, um, he had a rucksack full of weights, and then we tied his legs together um, to show what it shows, what sin does. It tangles us up, and then it becomes much, much harder to run, right? It becomes much more difficult, and this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. And so often in life, we can just be burdened. By stuff, you know, and it's God's, it's God's uh, will for us to live free. Amen. Amen? And the Bible says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what Jesus Himself said about Himself and the way He deals with us. When He sets people free, He does a complete job. Amen. And God is not, and, and you know, Jesus also talked about if we're feeling burdened to come to Him and we'll, we'll find rest. You know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So Jesus made it very, very clear He does not want us to go through life burdened or weighed down. I'm not being flippant, and when I say that, and, and when Jesus said that, he wasn't being flippant about stuff. We've all gone through stuff, and some of you have gone through some incredibly tough stuff, stuff that I haven't been through. So Jesus wasn't being flippant when he said that, but the reality is he wants to take those burdens off you. He does not want you to live burdened and, and weighed down or, or, or tangled up. He wants you to, to live free. Amen? So God wants us to run this race. You know, it's, I mentioned this a couple of times, but God wants us to take off our uh, lockdown slippers. You know, we've gone through an interesting period over the last couple of years, you know, practically, and in terms of, in terms of church, not being able to meet for a long time in person, all that kind of stuff that we had to kind of deal with. And, you know, people kind of went into lockdown mode. You know, we all, we all did that, I guess, because, because we <laughs> had, no, had those choices. Remember those crazy days, you're only allowed outside once a day, or only allowed an hour, the first lockdown, you're only allowed out an hour for a day. I mean, it just seems so nuts now, doesn't it, when you look back at it. You're only allowed out for an hour a day, you couldn't sit on a bench you couldn't take a cup of tea with you because then it became a social thing rather than exercise. And all that kind of, you know, people get fined for having a cup of tea on them. 
It's like a police had a, I, felt, I really felt for the police because they were like doing crazy things. It wasn't their fault. They were just following the law, weren't they? Just trying to enforce it. You, know, this, you, know, you couldn't meet in big groups and all that. You couldn't have people in your garden and couldn't have people in your house and all those kind of... It was just crazy, wasn't it? Looking back at it now, you kind of think... I mean, I'm sure, don't get me wrong, I'm sure it was all necessary um, and what was being dealt with at the time. But it just seems so insane uh, looking, looking, back, uh, looking back at it now. But we kind of all went into kind of um, uh, lockdown, uh, lockdown mode. I can remember in, in our own life where we, we, you know, schools obviously shut. So Wendy was working from home from a church point of view. I was, I was working from home and the kids were obviously off anyway. You know, and you kind of had that, that one hour a day. We, used to, we did, intentionally did our exercise at the end of the day. So it basically gave us something to look forward to. Thought if we do it at the beginning of the day, basically, got, what are we going to do the rest of the day? Okay, so we're like at six o'clock, like before dinner, we'll, we'll go out. We'll go out for the walk. The weather was amazing, wasn't it, in that first lockdown? It was incredible in 20. Um, you know, that, I believe that's a blessing from God because the weather was unbelievable in, throughout 2020 in the summer. Um, but yeah, but we all kind of just went into lockdown mode. And but God does not want us. Did not want us to ever go into spiritual lockdown mode. And now we had to do things differently. We had to to have church online, which of course is a very different experience, and all that kind of stuff. But it's now time to come out of that, that's basically what I'm saying. And take off our lockdown slippers in a spiritual sense, and to put on our spiritual trainers, as God wants us, us to run. We're coming out of this the other side, God now wants us to be running for him, and be committed to running our best lap yet for him. Amen? You know, and there are so many things that can hinder us in life, so the writer of Hebrews says, throw away all those things that hinder you, and you know, and we, we talked a little bit about this last week, things like anger and bitterness and resentment, unforgiveness, unbelief, focusing on ourselves, uh, the past, all those kind of things. They can be things that burden us or circumstances we've been through, things that burden us and, and weigh us down. But, so we've been encouraged to get rid of those things. Like the demonstration with Jack last week, to get rid of those weights, those things that are burdening us down and slowing us down or maybe even stopping us completely from running that best race for God. We just need to get rid of those things. I'm just going to have to blow my nose a second, sorry. Okay, so God wants us to get rid of those things, those things that are weighing, weighing us down. And what I want to look at this morning is unforgiveness. We're going to kind of unpack some of this, all these different things over the next, couple, next few weeks, more than a couple of weeks, over the next few weeks. But today I want to specifically look at unforgiveness. Now, unforgiveness is one of those things that can seriously weigh us down and seriously hold us back. And, and as Christians, and, and we need a lot of help from God in this, or we need all the help from God because we can't do it in our own strength. You know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we're not supposed to be doing it in our own strength. You know, to kind of move on from this stuff and to deal with it, because it can be a real issue. This is something I've observed as a pastor and, and talked to with people about. Unforgiveness can really seriously weigh people down. Now, I've written in my notes here, I've literally written pastoral disclaimer, that's what I've written, and, <laughs> and what I'm, I'm going to say um, is, is I'm well aware that some of the situations that some of you have been through are, are very intense, very traumatic, some of the stuff may have, that's happened to you has been very, very difficult, it's stuff that I, I can relate to as a pastor in a sense, but I haven't been through personally. You know, if, if there's situations of things that have happened to you, that forgiving people, it doesn't make that thing okay. God doesn't think it makes it okay either. It's really important to say that. Okay? So when we talk about this stuff, we're not being flippant about it. If it's stuff you need to get counseling for, whether it's professional counseling, whether you want to come talk to me and Wendy about it in a pastoral sense, then I'd really encourage you to do that. I don't mean just ignore this stuff. But we do have to walk in forgiveness. Okay? So that's kind of the pastoral kind of disclaimer bit over in brackets. Okay? 
Because un- unforgiveness can be a real issue. Unforgiveness, it, it, it can make us bitter and, and twisted. It, it, can, it, can, it can mess us up emotionally. But more than anything, it makes it hard to move on because it burdens us and, and weighs us down. When something's happened to us and, and, we just, and someone has, has wronged us and they may genuinely have really, really wronged us. And it may have been totally undeserved, totally unjustified. And it makes it hard to move on. It makes us bitter and, and twisted and, and frustrated or, or, or angry. It makes us focus on the past. It makes us fo- focus on what has been rather than looking to the future. It makes us focus on what has happened to us or even what we did wrong in that situation rather than what is ahead. And Jesus had a lot to say about unforgiveness. Jesus had to do a lot of forgiving himself, right? Yeah. No, he was, I know, of course, it was God's plan, but he was unjustly sent to a cross, right? All his disciples left him after promising they wouldn't. Peter was always the first one to speak, wasn't he? <laughs> Wore his heart on his sleeve. Um, didn't always, didn't, did come good in the end, as you read about in the book of Acts. But at the time when he was... Uh, you know, Jesus on the earth, Peter would say the first thing that came in his head, oh, I'll never leave you, Jesus, even if everyone else does. It's like he was the first one that kind of legged it <laughs> and then denied him three times as Jesus predicted he would. You know, so Jesus had to do a whole load of, of forgiveness, right? The religious leaders, who the, ones, the Jewish religious leaders, should have been the very one who understood who he was as the Messiah. They, they knew all the prophecies. That they reje- the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them rejected him, didn't accept who he was, often out of jealousy, or because they just didn't understand the scriptures, which said they did, but didn't really. So Jesus had to do a whole load of forgiving, right? I don't think anyone's had to do more forgiveness than, than Jesus when he was actually on the earth. But Jesus had a lot to say about unforgiveness. And there's one particular parable, Jesus' great stories that he told. To, you know, they're kind of very simple stories, but tell very profound truths. This is recorded in Matthew 18, 21 to 35, often called the parable of the unmerciful servant. It says this, it says, Then Peter, so Peter was almost like a spokesperson, for the disciples who often be the first one to say things. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translators say 70 times seven. So Jesus then told this story to illustrate the point. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or 10,000 talents, some translations say, that was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that, he, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. And that was quite common. I mean, it's awful thinking about this stuff now, but that was quite a common way of dealing with things. You think what happens these days is they, you, know, you don't repay a debt, um, and they might come and take your TV away, or, they sell, you know, or you have to sell your car, or in a worst case scenario, you might have to sell your house if, if you weren't paying your mortgage. But in those days, they literally could take your family. And you could become a slave yourself, and your wife could become a slave, and even your kids could become slaves. And that's the way they would deal with debts. And it seems awful now, but that was very, very common. Um, Because slavery was kind of rife um, in biblical times throughout the Roman Empire. There was slavery, it was everywhere. It was awful. Anyway, so at verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins or a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw, observed this, saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. 
Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. That's what Jesus said, right? We're just reading the word of Jesus. So what does this all teach us? So there's this great, great parable. It's another one of Jesus' amazing stories. Just illustri- illustrated this point in such an incredibly profound way. So first thing to say is that, is that Peter, Peter being Peter, thought he was being really, really spiritual when he gave the answer that he gave. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Peter thought this is a great answer. Jesus is going to love this. This is an awesome one. Seven, in, in, a, in a spiritual sense, in a biblical sense, seven is a number of completion. I'm sure you know that. Uh, seven is a number of completion. And, and people are like, this is going to be a great answer. Jesus is going to love this. He's going to, he's going to be like blown away. They think, oh, Peter, you're so spiritual. This is amazing. <laughs> Up to seven times. And Jesus is like, no, not the seven times. 77 times or, or 70 times seven, which is 490. You know, a whole, a whole different level. You think you're being spiritual, Peter, but this is what I say about about forgiveness. So Jesus went much further than even the disciples understood. But there's kind of two lessons that I want to draw out of this um, in particular. And what we can learn about forgiveness, remember, this is all about running our best race, not being burdened by stuff. So lesson number one from this parable, is a massive, massive lesson, is the unmerciful servant, he didn't appreciate what he had been forgiven from. He did not appreciate or understand or have revelation of what he had been forgiven from. He had this monumental debt. And, and he begged the king that he owed this debt to. And, and begged him and, and said, I'll do everything to repay it. I don't know how he would have repaid it. Anyway, he said, I'll repay it. But the, but the king, in his, his incredible mercy, said, oh, I'm just going to wipe that debt completely free because you've begged me to. But he didn't appreciate what that king had done for him. If he, if he had really understood it and had a revelation and appreciated what the king had done, he would not have treated his fellow servants in, in the way that he did. And so it says there that he owed 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold. Just like, in, just like today, gold was worth a lot of money. It was still worth a lot uh, back then. Now, just to put this in context, because I think it's really, really important because it's kind of like talents, denarii, what's all that about? You know, what's that kind of, what's the you know, relation with that with, with British money? So just to kind of give you some context, I think it's important to say this. So one talent was worth 6,000 denarii, okay, in those times. And it would take about 20 years for the average worker to earn one talent. So the average, average daily wage was about one denarii, as Jesus tells another parable about when it says he, all the people were paid a denarii a day. It was kind of like the average wage, minimum wage, whatever you want to call it, at that time, Okay. So to earn 6,000 denarii, one talent, remember he owes 10,000 talents. To earn one talent would take you about 20 years of work, on kind of on the average wage. So with the debt that he had, just kind of doing, doing the maths in between, it would have taken him 200,000 years to repay it. That was, that was the debt that he had. It would have taken 200, he actually promised that he would repay it, and I quite know how that was going to work. So actually kind of putting this in, a, if you work out minimum wage and kind of do a bit of maths, it would be equivalent to about five billion pounds, roughly, working on minimum wage and that kind of stuff. 200,000 years. If you work for 200,000 years, you'll be a billionaire. Wow, isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, we need to live a bit longer, don't we? But it's equivalent to about five billion pounds, okay, in current, in current money. 
So clearly he could never have repaid it. And even if he sold his wife and wife and kids, it was never going to come close, was it? Even though, like I said, he promised, I will pay back everything. <laughs> just kind of, he was just saying that, of course, it wasn't a reality. So it's a monumental debt that he had, that he'd been forgiven. You know, and for us, and this is a point that Jesus is illustrating, is that we have been forgiven a monumental debt. We didn't owe anyone five billion pounds. Well, hopefully you don't owe anyone five billion pounds. <laughs> um, but we, we had the debt of sin, right? The debt of sin upon us, all that we'd, all that we'd ever done wrong, all that we'd done that, that separated us from God. Sin can be a, a, a scary word, but it just means things we've done wrong. And things we do wrong, it separates us from a holy and righteous, righteous God. You know, and if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all done things that are wrong, right? The Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because he's perfect and holy. Because he's perfect and holy. Then sin separates us from God. And, and that debt that we had, it's not something we could even attempt to repay. It's like a five billion pound debt. This is what Jesus was illustrating. It's not a debt that could ever be repaid. You know, this is, what, this is what separates Christianity, isn't it? And, or true Christianity, real Christianity, authentic Christianity, you know, from, from the other religions. I'm not going like, to display anything disparaging about other religions. But this is, what, this is the huge fundamental dividing line, isn't it? It's about, it's about Jesus and what he's done through the cross. And, and the fact that we cannot possibly attempt to, to repay that debt that we have over our lives. We cannot possibly do something. We can't possibly just make ourselves holy or force ourselves to be a bit righteous. And therefore, somehow then God's going to accept us. And you see that in all other religions where they're trying to do stuff in order to get God to accept them. And what we're saying in Christians or authentic Christianity, we're saying, like, just, just give up. I, I'm serious. I've said that to people as a pastor. Just to stop doing what you're doing. Because you're not going to make God love you or accept you more. It's all because of the cross. It's a free gift. Ephesians 2, 9, not on screen this one, but Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 make that so clear. It's, it's all by grace that we've been saved. It's not, it's not, we can't boast about it. It's not something we've done. All we've done is accept the reality of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's not a debt we could ever attempt to repay. Where, we, where would we even start? I'm serious. You know, the thing about all the stuff that's gone on in our past life, uh, and sometimes you know, we still mess up even now. How, how would we ever repay that? What are we going to do? Whip ourselves? Beat ourselves? What are we going to do? That, that would possibly pay, pay that debt? No, it's all because of Jesus. all because of grace. All our sins have been totally washed away. We're now a brand new creation. The old person has gone. When we're, when we're born again, that's what born again means, that the old spiritual person has gone, and now we're now a brand new creation in him. Everything is washed away. It's like a, a reset button. We've started again. You know, we've, we've been redeemed. The debt has been redeemed. It's a, it's a term that gets used when, when a debt is paid off. When, if, you've, if you've ever been blessed to, to pay your mortgage off, it's called, it's called a mortgage redemption. That's, that's what they officially call it. You get a redemption statement from your bank. And it tells you basically how much you owe, and this is what you need to pay us, and then the house will be completely yours, and you no longer owe the bank anything. So it's still used in terms of, in terms of loans and debts. That we have been totally redeemed. That debt, that five billion pound debt, if you want to put it in that context again, that five billion pound debt of sin that we can never possibly repay, it's been dealt with once and for all. Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 7, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes about it. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted 
in the beloved, and there's like a million different messages in those verses. But, but this is the particular one, or leads to this one, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's all about grace. Remember, grace means unmerited favor. We have, as Christians, as believers, we have the favor of God upon us, but it's totally unmerited. Amen? It's just purely a gift from God. So we now have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, that we're completely washed clean. That, that debt that hung over us is, is being completely removed. Who's pleased about that this morning? Who's thankful to God this morning? Amen for that. So through the blood of Jesus, we've been completely redeemed. Okay? So this is kind of the starting point, coming on to the next point. But this is kind of the starting point, is to understand what we've been forgiven from. What Jesus has done for us. All that stuff you've ever done in your past. I'm not asking you to start thinking about all the stuff you've done in your past. Because you it's not good to rake all that stuff up. But whatever it was. Or whatever we even could do in the future. Jesus has paid the price for it. It's totally dealt with. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it can be, it can be uh, hard to wrap our minds around it. Because our human nature is. Well I've got to do something about it. It is. It's human nature isn't it? I've got to do something about it. I've got to try and bring restoration. If I just try a bit harder, well, maybe God will accept me. But that's, that's not right. We've just got to accept grace. His unmerited favor. His gift of redemption. And it truly is a gift. So that's kind of the first point. It's to understand, because the unmerciful servant, he didn't get that at all. He didn't get He had a five billion debt completely wiped clear. It's to understand what we've been forgiven from. That's always a starting place when it comes to forgiveness what Jesus has done for us. And kind of the second big lesson from that is, is forgiving is not optional. Forgiving is not optional. If we're going to live a, a, an effective Christian life, then forgiving others is not something that's optional. Whether we like that or not is, is a reality, isn't it? And the unmerciful servant, he, he didn't realize that. He didn't realize what he'd been forgiven from and therefore couldn't forgive others. You know, when we appreciate the debt that God had forgiven us from, how can we not forgive those who have wronged us? How can we not? Now, I'm going to kind of, kind of change tact a, tact a little bit at this point, because actually forgiving others, I want to talk more about next week, and we're going to take communion and stuff next week, talk more about forgiving others, because I'm actually going to change tact here. This is what I particularly want to focus on this morning, is what about forgiving ourselves? This one I want to talk about specifically this morning is about forgiving ourselves. You may think, what does that mean? I don't need to forgive anything. Now, what I mean by that, this, is, this has been my pastoral observation, is too many, too many Christians I've met, they're, they're stuck in the past, beating themselves up over things that they've done in their past, unable to move on. In other words, they just won't forgive themselves. They've been forgiven by God, and accept they've been forgiven by God, or maybe they need to continue to accept that reality, the huge debt that's been removed from them, but they won't forgive themselves. And what that does is it burdens people, it holds them back, and again, it becomes like this, like this runner, they're, they're then hindered and can't run in freedom. You know, that is not God's plan for your life. If you're in that, in that place right now where you just can't forgive, you know, what's gone on in your past, and like I said, I don't want to start raking up all your past right now. But there may be stuff in your past where you kind of think, well, I, I just can't forgive myself. You, maybe you've done some stuff. Maybe you've done some seriously bad stuff. You know, not, not that we're judging or putting sin on like a, you know, different levels of sin. Sin is sin, right? But just like forgiving others, forgiving ourselves is not optional either. If we want to be effective Christians and effective runners, we want to run, run our best life yet, forgiving ourselves is not optional either. You know, there are so many dangers 
of not forgiving ourselves. And because it, it holds us back, it burdens us, it hinders us, it weighs us down. It gets us just keeps people stuck in the past, focusing on their past. It can cause depression. It can cause all, all sorts of issues, stress and anxiety, worry, self-esteem issues, and all that kind of stuff. And that can all come, and there's obviously there's other aspects to all those things, but that can all, often be a result of people who just won't move on from their past. They won't allow, them, allow um, themselves to forgive themselves. But remember, the starting place is understanding what Jesus has done for us. If Jesus has forgiven us, why, why are we raking this stuff up? I'm serious. So, so my observation, pastorally, is that people don't, again, like the unmerciful servant, don't truly understand what they've been forgiven from. Because if they truly understand this five billion pound debt of sin that we had, then surely they'd be able to forgive themselves. If Jesus has, has dealt with it and God has forgotten about it, why are we raking this stuff up? Or allowing the devil to rake this stuff up, which he often will when he bombard our mind. Oh, you did this and you did this and you did this and God will never accept you, God will never use you. You know, you're what a hypocrite you are. You did this, you did this, you did this. These are all stuff that bomb... This is just me. <laughs> don't leave me hanging on my own. Okay, you get bombarded by these thoughts, don't you? You did this, you did this, you did this. Oh, you're a terrible person. You're a useless Christian. You're such a, you're such a hypocrite. What are people going to think about you? If, if they knew all this stuff about you, they'd think you they, they would think much less of you. All this stuff that bombards our thoughts. But Jesus has dealt with it. Amen? And that's what the point we'll always come back to. Said he knows. It's frustrating. Romans 8, verse 1 to 4 says this. Therefore, Paul wrote this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life. Who gives life? Has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Remember, Jesus was literally a sin offering for us. The fulfillment of all that had happened throughout the Old Testament and things that happened in the Old Testament, you know, things like Passover and happened before the, at, the, uh, at the last of the ten plagues of Egypt before Jesus released, uh, before God released the um, Israelites and Moses, Moses led them out. You know, and they, they had to get their lamb and they had to get the best lamb they could find. Um, and, then, and then sacrifice the lamb and put the blood kind of on their doorposts and that would show that they, they were saved you know, saved by God, the angel of death wouldn't affect them. You know, it was all pointing towards Jesus, wasn't it? And that Jesus was, was a literal sin offering to deal with this issue once and for all that animals will maybe could do a temporary uh, kind of a temporary job in that sense but there needs to be a permanent solution and that Jesus was that permanent solution. He has become a sin offering for us. That sin that weighed us down, that huge five billion debt, he took that upon himself. He became the offering for that. He took all of our sin upon him on the cross. Amen? And because of that, there's now, therefore, now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So what I want to say to you this morning, if you feel condemned about your past... It's, it's a lie from, I know this is a bit blunt, but it's the truth. Okay? If, you, if you feel condemned about your past, it's, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It is. I'm serious. Yeah. It is. If you feel bad about your past, you think oh, God will never forgive that, it's, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you're a believer this morning, there is no condemnation. So again, again, our human nature is, well, that can't be true. How can there be no condemnation? But this is the truth and reality, amen? There is no condemnation because it's been dealt with once and for all. If God doesn't condemn us, why are we condemning ourselves or allowing the devil to condemn us? Because the Bible makes it very clear here, God's not condemning us. Amen? And all those things that go through our head, well, oh, oh, you know, we can think, oh, you know, if, oh, if people knew what I'd done in my past. 
As if, as if God doesn't know anyway, right? Whether, whether people, other people know or not, God knows. But there's now no condemnation. Now, of course, sin has to be confessed and dealt with, dealt with by God. But we have to remember that once confessed sin equals sin forgiven by God. Amen? So again, human nature is, well, it can't be as simple as that. It's got to be harder than that. And you see this in different, different religions and, and even some different, not judging anything, but just different aspects even of Christianity, where they just kind of have to like, um, you know, beat themselves up about these things or they have to go to confession and see a priest or all those kind of things. They have to kind of jump through hoops. All they're trying to do is desperately get their sins forgiven because human nature is it can't possibly be this easy. It can't possibly be that all I need to do is confess my sins and because of the cross it's been dealt with. But it is that easy. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that? But human nature is it can't possibly be that simple. I must have to do something. I must have to feel bad. I must have to feel guilty. Um, do you know what I mean? I must have to whip myself or whatever people do. But it is that simple. 1 John 1, 8-9. If we claim to be without sin, so we need to recognize we, we have sinned. But if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. It literally is as simple as that. Amen. So when we appreciate the huge debt that God has forgiven us from, how can we not forgive ourselves? Well, maybe we don't appreciate the debt that God has forgiven us from. That's what I would say to that. Would be my answer to that. Is the first bit of that question is the key bit. Do we understand what God has forgiven us from and what it means that he's forgiven us? He's forgotten about it. He's dealt with it. It's dealt with. It was, it was nailed to the cross. Jesus was a sin offering. He took it upon himself. It's dealt with once and for all. And even anything we could ever do, anything we could do tomorrow, today or tomorrow, is still dealt with by the cross. Amen? So if God has dealt with our past sin, why are we even thinking about it or even bringing it up? I'm serious. Because God isn't going to bring it up. Psalm 103, verse 11 to 12 says this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So in other words, it's something that can't even be measured. Because where does the east start and where does the west start? So as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. All those things we've ever done wrong, they're totally dealt with by God. God doesn't even remember them. Now, of course, God is, omni, is, is omniscient, means he knows everything. But God forces himself to forget about it. I suppose that's the way I would say it. Okay? Because obviously he's all-knowing. Okay? But he forces himself not, not to think about it because he knows about the cross. It says, the Bible says about when, when, when he looks at us, what he sees is Jesus and the blood of Jesus, that we've been washed clean and, and made new. God has completely dealt with our past transgressions once and for all. It's, it's a measurable distance that he's removed our transgressions from us. Amen? So Jesus wants us to live and run in freedom. Remember, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So if this is something you're struggling with right now, I just want to really encourage you, one, to allow God to give you a revelation of what he has done for you. What the cross won for you. What it meant that Jesus was a sin offering for you. And not trying to kind of just, just kind of, you know, do it in our own strength or thinking we just got to jump through hoops or, or do some crazy stuff. Except just the reality of what, what Jesus has done for us. It's all about the cross. It all comes back to the cross. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote that the cross is, is a stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. People, people out in our world, they don't get it. And I, I accept that. They, they don't get it. They need a revelation from the Holy Spirit, obviously. But they kind of think, well, cross is, what, what's this guy 2,000 years ago got, got murdered, put on a cross? What, what's, what's it got to do with me? But it was all part of God's plan before the dawn of time itself to deal with, to become a sin offering once and for all. To deal with the issue once and, once and for all. Amen? So let's be people that throw off everything that hinders. And if there's stuff, stuff in your past that you, you, you're not forgiving yourself, or you're beating yourself up about, 
Or you're thinking, woe is me. Or you're thinking, how could God love me? Or you're thinking, how could God accept me? Or how could people accept me? Then this is stuff that God needs to deal with in your life. Because before we can even start forgiving others, we need to, we need to forgive ourselves. And realize and appreciate what we've been forgiven from. Bless for off all those things that hinder. These things that can burden us and hold us back. God wants us to live free. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Just want to pray a couple of prayers. The first one, I just want to pray with you as a congregation. For those that are struggling with this, or those affected by this, or those where you need to do something about it, I want to specifically pray for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the cross. Lord, it still blows our minds. Lord, it's just as simple as we need to accept it. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for grace. Lord, we thank you for the unmerited favor you poured upon us. Lord, we thank you for becoming a sin offering for us. Lord, for taking that burden of sin, Lord, upon yourself, becoming that perfect, spotless lamb, that lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that anything we've, Lord, as long as we've confessed it and put it right, Lord, anything we've ever done wrong or even ever could do wrong, Lord, it is dealt with once and for all. That sin no longer has any power over us, it has no authority over us. The devil has no authority over us. We've been brought out of the dominion of darkness and we're now in the kingdom of the sun. We're now in the kingdom of light. The devil has no authority over us. There has no right to do anything in our lives. Lord, you've legally brought us back. Lord, you've legally dealt with, not in a spiritual sense, Lord, you've legally dealt with sin once and for all. You've redeemed that monumental debt of the unmerciful servant, that five billion debt, a debt that could never be repaid. Or where would we even start in order to repay it? Lord, but you have dealt with it. Lord, and you've removed it once and for all. Lord, and that is just incredible. Lord, I pray, Lord, every single person here this morning, Lord, will have a deep and true and and authentic and real uh, revelation of that this morning of what the cross did for them, what the cross did for us. Lord, that we are washed clean. Lord, that we are made new. That our past is, our past is gone, dead and buried. Lord, and we were born again, a brand new, brand new creation. I thank you for that reality. Lord, and I pray, Lord, if there's anyone struggling with that, Lord, if they're still kind of stuck in their past, struggling to move on from stuff they've done in their past, struggling to forgive themselves, the things that they may have done or said or acted on or whatever it may be. Lord, I pray, Lord, you just give them a revelation right now. Lord, you just, Lord, as you promised, Lord, we can do all things for you who gives us strength. You would give them the strength right now, Lord, to forgive themselves. To let go of that past. To let go of that burden. God, because you've dealt with it. Lord, if you don't condemn us, there's no condemnation from those in Christ Jesus. Lord, why, why should we condemn ourselves? Lord, you've removed the transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Lord, if you've forgiven it, Lord, we choose to be a people Lord, that, that won't bring it up anymore. Lord, if the devil bombards us and tries to, to rake up our past, Lord, we promise to take those things, uh, to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to you. Lord, we're not going to listen to the devil's lies any longer. Lord, we know we're accepted by you, but it's all because of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And when we all run with freedom, not burdened by unforgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray a second prayer. And I've talked a lot about the cross this morning, what Jesus did on the cross. And I just want to give an opportunity to, for anyone who's here this morning just to respond to, to this message, respond to the gospel this morning. The gospel meaning good news. 
this morning. And the good news is what Jesus has done for you. As you can know what it is to live in freedom. You can know what it is to have all your sins forgiven. And that what sin, it creates a barrier between, between us as humans and, and, and God. And God doesn't want there to be a barrier. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to remove that barrier for us. And all we have to do is accept that reality. And ask God to forgive our sins. Ask God to come into our life. And he will, he will come into your life. You'll become a brand new creation spiritually. You will know the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth. You'll know what it is to, to, to live for God. And you'll know what it is to live free. God's, God's desire for you. He, you. You're created in the image of God. The Bible says that this is true for all of us here. That we were knit together in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Even when we were just a, a fetus and a no, not even consciousness, God was already conscious of us and who we, who we were going to be and the plans he had for our lives. And if that's you this morning, I just encourage you to pray this prayer. Or maybe you just need to get things back on track this morning. And you've just, you just gone, gone way off track. We're talking about keeping on track and keeping on this race. and be like being on a race track. Maybe you've run into the wrong lane. Maybe you're running in the opposite direction. Maybe you're running the wrong way. Maybe you're running further from God instead of running towards God. It says Hebrews 12, it said about fixing your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you've, no one's judging this morning, but maybe you're doing the complete opposite. You're taking your eyes off Jesus and you're running in the wrong direction rather than running towards Jesus. And there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, as we've already said. But let's get, get yourself back on track this morning. I'd encourage you to do that. Because God just wants you to run your best race for him and there's, and there's always forgiveness. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus for your incredible love for me. Thank you for being a sin offering for me. For taking everything I could ever do wrong, my sin, and taking it upon yourself. For being that sin offering for me. I ask you now to wash me clean and to make me new. I want to live for you. I want to be a brand new creation in you. I don't want to live burdened by my past. I want to live free. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, or you, you've never invited Jesus into your life before, or you're just getting things back on track, you're running back towards Jesus, not running in the wrong direction, but running back towards Jesus this morning. I just want you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, I've prayed that prayer. Because we would just love just to chat, chat with you and, and pray with you. Is there anyone this morning, don't miss your opportunity. Pray that prayer for the first time or you get yourself sorted out this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Lord, may every single one of us, Lord, live free. Understand, Lord, live free of that debt of sin. Recognize, Lord, what you have forgiven us from. What you have dealt with. The burden that you've removed from us. But we want to run our best race for you, Lord, completely unhindered, completely un. Um, unentangled to run our best lap for you Lord throughout this year and in, in, in the months and years to come in Jesus mighty name Amen